When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, incredible and horrific tales from victims of reptilian alien abductions. He convinced me that I better pay more attention to this stuff. He said that the reptilians could shapeshift and they could appear at a meeting or appear someplace at NASA and look human. But then he and others would see them when they didn't think anybody was looking, kind of devolve into their reptilian form. Hey there, August is fast approaching, and that means I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast episode pick of the month and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, delivered to your email inbox, just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. Well, I'm off to Brantford to visit my mom today, and the boys will once again try their luck fishing on the Grand River. No luck whatsoever last time. I had promised to tweet some pictures of the boys' trophy fish. We were hoping for some nice pickerel, uh, but they barely got a nibble. Rather disappointing, so let's hope they have better luck this time out. Just a quick heads up for premium subscribers. A brand new Conspiracy Unlimited Plus episode dropped yesterday. This one is, I think I described it as radioactive. Uh, My guest, Greg Scott, draws some pretty disturbing connections between our PM, Justin Trudeau, currently embroiled in another unrelated ethics scandal. These dots connect Trudeau with Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. You'll definitely want to check out plus episode number eight. And if you're not a premium subscriber, it's just $2 a month 
and you get access to my vast back catalog of episodes, over 400. Plus, you get two bonus commercial-free episodes per month. Go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com, conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com, and click on Get Access to Premium Content. Mary Joyce is a longtime UFO researcher, also known for her investigative work uncovering underground military bases in her home state of North Carolina. Now, if you haven't checked out her website, skyshipsovercashiers.com, you really ought to visit. Several news stories on her site caught my eye recently, including accounts going back as far as World War II of tall blue men rescuing U.S. soldiers, and another story detailing disturbing encounters with reptilians. Mary has worked for two major metropolitan area newspapers as a writer, columnist, artist, Sunday Magazine editor, and feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and a number of books. Currently, she's editor of SkyShipsOverCashiers.com, which features cutting-edge topics. She's also worked for the world's largest private printing company, a major metropolitan air pollution control agency, a community college, and for political campaigns. Her career includes working for a Fortune 100 company, coordinating art and printing for talking children's books. Hey, Mary, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Fine. It's always good to talk with you. Likewise. I thought before we get into some of the amazing, fascinating stories at the website, we talk a little bit about your previous career in Detroit as an investigator. Tell me about that. Yeah, and the reason you and I briefly talked about this before the show was because I think it's important to, for people to realize that some of these tall tales that seem to not be real uh, really have been well investigated before I put them on the website. And when I was in Detroit, my goodness, I got uh, I was on mob stories. I got to meet an assassin face to face. I got to um, have guns pointed at me. I mean, I was doing undercover investigative work, including things like with Jimmy Hoffa, which kind of gives you an idea of my age. But um, uh, it was really a good training field. And so you learn to really get the truth and really get the story. And um, that's, you know, I, I can go into details, but that's I'd, the gist of it. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more. Now, when when you say undercover investigative work, do you mean for a newspaper or for law yes, enforcement? Yes. Uh, actually, both. Some of my stories were just uh, uh, working with an undercover detective in Detroit. And some of it was uh, doing investigative reporting for the newspaper. So it was two separate things, but the same kind of stories. And uh, I'll get yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you about the, the, was it a mob assassin that you met face-to-face with? Tell me about that. Yep. I was with an uh, undercover detective from Detroit. We were on the east side of Detroit uh, at a golf club, and uh, we were sitting at, like, the individual tables, and there was a rather small man at the bar, and this detective, who was also a friend, uh, said, that guy is a hitman for the, uh, for the mob or the mafia. I said, you got to be kidding. He's such a little guy. And he said, well, the way the guy operates is whoever his target is, uh, he will like meet them or start talking to them in a friendly fashion at a bar or something similar. And after he's gained the confidence of the person, he will drop something in their drink to make them feel badly or, you know, eventually knock them out. And when they start feeling woozy, he will walk them out to their car just being helpful and they end up in his trunk. So that was his uh, uh, mode of operation and uh, uh, proving that a hitman doesn't have to have big muscles. 
<laughs> and uh, whatever became of him, was he ever arrested, charged? Uh, I honestly do not know. As of, uh, I no longer live in Detroit, obviously, but um, the last I heard, he was still alive. Of course, that was a bunch of years ago, so he may have died of natural causes. Um, and did you work uh, the Jimmy Hoffa case a little bit? A little bit, yeah. We, we cover that pretty well because actually um, the um, restaurant where Hoffa disappeared was in the area of the newspaper where I worked. And I worked for the Open Press, which is like suburban Detroit. And it was, um, you know, it was a regular daily paper. Uh, and we had lots of hot stories that happened around there. Um, so what can it, I tell you? <laughs> exciting. <laughs> uh, now, he disappeared 45 years ago, 1975, as I remember. I was just a, a kid then, I know, just, but, but I remember it. Um, yeah. And I actually, I had a, an occasion to uh, interview his son, uh, who wow. also ran the Teamsters at one point. Um, now, do, do you have any theories as to what, I mean, I think we all know what happened, but do you have any theories as to where he might be, his final resting oh, place? I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he's been buried in cement or, you know, something comparable. There was a number of mafia people that I, you know, began to interact with and, that's how they get rid of people. You'd never find them again if they got buried in cement. A lot of people who work on the fringes of the, the mafia uh, often have construction jobs. Uh, and so there's always different ways to get rid of people. I don't think we'll ever know uh, where he actually ended up, but that is what I strongly believe. And these people are nasty. I'll just tell you one more story. We were I was doing, for the newspaper, undercover work with another woman. We were acting like, you know, at that time, I must have been in my early 30s. And um, we went to a bar where these uh, people were hanging out. And one of the things that we did was to, or planned to do, was to go get a story um, from the parents of the man who'd been beaten up severely by the mob. And when I say severely, I mean his feet were pointed in the opposite direction by the time they were done with him. And when we went to the, um, you know, to interview or talk to the parents, um, they lived above a liquor store. So we went up the stairs on the side of the building, and then you would enter from the back. And they were gracious enough to let us in. And then this guy came down the hall with a gun pointed right at us. And somehow my brain, thank God, just clicked on really, really quick. And I thought, he thinks we're bad guys. Or, that you know, uh, he ended up being the brother of the man who'd been so severely beaten. And I said, well, let me show you something. And I put my hands up, and then I very slowly reached into uh, my purse to show him uh, a bad edge that I had from my brief um, uh, time working at a court in, um, in Detroit. And it, it's a very official badge. It's shiny. It looks like the things you see on cop shows all the time. And once he realized that we weren't bad guys, he put the gun down. But I can tell you my heart was going really, really fast there for a while. I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, all right, so from the uh, the mob to aliens, let's move over to skyshipsovercashiers.com, uh, your fabulous website, and uh, some new uh, stories there. Tall blue men rescue soldiers. This is fascinating. Uh, and these tall blue men apparently have been rescuing soldiers during battles going back since World War II. Tell me about some of these encounters with yeah. tall blue men. Uh, normally, I like to do as much as possible my own uh, interviews and my own research. 
but I have a tremendous amount of respect for a woman with a very odd name. Her name is Artie Six Killer Clark. And she, that's like a, a, a warrior Indian name, and she is Indian. And she has a PhD, and she's a professor emeritus at Montana State University. She has done over many years um, interviews with people who've had these firsthand experiences with aliens or ETs. Um, I think she, at the last I heard, she had more than 4,000 cases that she had documented. I've read three of her books, and the delightful thing about it is not only is she really, um, you know, thorough in her investigations, she's a good writer. And she writes in a very, in the kind of style that I admire, which is concise to the point and keeps your interest and doesn't bog you down with excessive information. And so the three examples I have in this posting, which is on the homepage right now, is titled Tall Blue Men Rescue Soldiers. And so I've got quotes from uh, that I took from three different soldiers who encountered these blue men. Um, and they are the good guys. Uh, when people are, well, for example, one man, um, he was in Vietnam and, you know, he was wounded and the rockets are coming toward him. And this blue man appeared and um, ended up shielding his body because there were other rockets that were coming at him. And um, um, after... Uh, that happened and the man, the, the blue man, uh, put his hand over the wound and healed the man and then he eventually just disappeared into the woods. But these blue men are, uh, some people describe them as like looking like neon lights. They're blue and they have a huge amount of energy uh, to the point where it's almost blinding. Uh, none of the witnesses that I read about could see the faces of the blue men because the intensity of the energy was so strong. Um, but the descriptions are all the same. They're about seven or eight feet tall and um, they seem to be, as one man said, I don't think the blue men are physical beings like humans. They are glowing, shimmering blue lights that appear as human forms. And the same man said, I don't think they like war. They are very peaceful beings. Um, but they've done things like another person um, talked about um, I guess six or seven of their buddies were uh, killed uh, in, I think it was Vietnam, and um, they went out to collect the bodies. And when they got there, the bodies were gone. The only thing they found was like St. Christopher's medal or, you know, some other little remnants that indicated that the men had been there. And the one man that survived, he saw these blue men appear and uh, they, they picked up these the, his buddies that had been killed and they were lifted up uh, into a, um, a UFO that was hovering over the battlefield. Um, so it, it's, it's like the good side of the UFO stories when you start talking about the blue men. And right. most people haven't heard about them. Uh, that's true. I, I'd not heard of this phenomenon before, these tall blue men, before reading about it at Skyships Over Cashiers. Uh, so these entities... Why do we believe that they are uh, extraterrestrial? They they could be. They almost sound interdimensional. Uh, and maybe both both things are true. Um, I I've come to believe that uh, uh, the ones that many people think of as the masters and the angels and are simply um, ETs that are much more evolved than we are, and they are able to um, tap down their energy or go back to their normal state, which obviously is at a higher vibration. So I think they're both physical and 
um, interdimensional. And the fact that there are enough of these encounters to fill an entire, well, how many books has she written about this? Well, I'm, I'm aware, I've read three of her books, and this is from her most recent one, and it's called Space Age Indians. And I'll give you her name again, because it's really not easy to remember, and she's really easy to read and, and thorough in her research again. Her name is Artie, A-R-D-Y, and I guess her maiden name must be Six Killer, a good warrior name, one word, and the last name is Clark with an E. And she has her PhD, she's an emeritus professor at Montana State, and so she has uh, some really great credentials, and she's just a darn easy to read reader, I mean writer. And you said 4,000 documented cases of this. More than that. Oh, my. Now, there, no, not just of the blue men, but of people's interactions with uh, different types of ETs. For example, she spent uh, seven years down in um, Belize, Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico collecting stories uh, from the native people down there who had had encounters with, uh, uh, with ETs. So the ETs are not all the same. And... Uh, the blue men um, I had not heard about until I read her information. Uh, other things she's worked, you know, wrote, written about were, you know, those that look like um, Nordics or look like uh, Greys or look like uh, things that we are types that we've heard about before. But the blue men was something new. Um, uh, that book that's about the uh, uh, her interviews in essentially the central part of the country, uh, this hemisphere, is simply called Sky People. And that she wrote in 2015. From Blue Men to the Reptilians. This is a rather harrowing story from witnesses who have encountered reptilian ETs and uh, their uh, dire plan for humanity. What, what do you hear? Well, um, let me back up just a little bit because if this was a story that I had just come in contact with for the first time, I might not have put it on the website. But over the years, it's like I get prepared for something before it gets, let's say, really big. And uh, back in 2017, we did a story that's simply titled ETs were at NASA from the very beginning. And you, you, you're very well up on things. And so you may be familiar with uh, William Tompkins. Um, he, wrote it, he wrote Selected by Extraterrestrials. Yes. He worked at the top highest level at NASA. He was actually involved with the space program before NASA became official. And he worked directly uh, as a confidential advisor to uh, Werner von Braun and um, the second man in command, uh, whose name I don't know how to pronounce for sure. Uh, Kurt uh, looks like Debus, D-U-B-U-S, however you would say that, or Debus. And uh, so he, he has incredible, tr uh, you know, credentials. Unlike... Um, Artie Six Killer Clark's book, his is more of a deep read because he tells you so much. So it's serious reading if you ever want to tackle his books. But he is the first one who really had the credentials to convince me that uh, ETs were involved with um, our space program from the very beginning. And he talked about uh, uh, so many of the ideas that they got at NASA were being uh, fed to them by um, tall, Nord uh, not real tall, but Nordic-looking uh, women who were very attractive. They officially served as like secretaries at NASA, but they were ETs, and it was not immediately obvious that they were. 
but they would download information into his head and other people's heads and some of the big steps that NASA made um, were because information was being fed to them by these Nordic ETs. So that's another example of good ETs. They also saw the reptilians there. And um, uh, again, he, he convinced me that I better pay more attention to this stuff. Um, he said that the reptilians could uh, shapeshift and they could, uh, you know, they could uh, appear at a meeting or appear someplace at NASA and look human. But then he and others would see them um, when they didn't think anybody was looking, kind of devolve into their reptilian form, which um, most people think is pretty ugly. Um, so just give you that bit of a background before I get into this latest posting. And um, uh, the reason I really am glad that you're letting me go on and on about this is because there's more and more ev evidence that these uh, reptilians are, they are out to uh, get a good hold of this planet and be in control of it, and um, it, not to the benefit of humans. Um, I've done other stories about this, but this is the most recent one. Um, they do things that are perhaps we can only imagine in terms of sci-fi. Uh, they have machines that um, can uh, they can put on the people that they've abducted on their heads, and they can absorb all the knowledge they have. Uh, they also have the ability to uh, you know, steal their memories and their souls, which I thought was really, really interesting. They describe being placed um, in machines that, um, uh, you know, will actually kind of suck the soul out of you. So uh, they talk about uh, people then are wandering around soulless and that the reptilians then can manipulate them. And uh, so through mind control, uh, they are able to do some really awful things. Um, I don't. You probably have a... Oh, I have a whole host of questions. Um, okay, go for it. So have you, have you personally talked to abductees who have had encounters with reptilians? Uh, yes, and some of them, uh, not very many. This is a rare, rare thing. Uh, but um, some of them, I, I wonder if they're still back to who they used to be. I mean, I see them... Um, buying into some of these conspiracy theories and things that I never think they would have bought into before. So I don't know if even the people I've met have been totally cleared of the influence of the reptilians. Now, you made an interesting uh, comment in the, the article at skyshipsovercashiers.com, and that is, we really don't know to what extent the reptilians are interacting with humanity because uh, you, you suggest that maybe many of the abductees are killed uh, by the reptilians. So there's nobody really to, to, to tell us about it. Yeah, and that's not a quote from me. Uh, what I've done is um, I've taken essentially eight short quotes from people who've had encounters with the reptilians. And uh, one of those uh, people that I quote is the one that said that. Yeah, these, these uh, everything is quoted from people who've had the firsthand experience. I, I've, I've pretty much kept myself out of the story. Uh, the other interesting, well, there's another interesting quote here from someone who suggests that as a result of this, what they describe as energy harvesting, and this is, you know, sucking their minds and their memories and their souls out of them, these people are left with no, no conscience, no moral compass, and you say that these same people might be 
again, the, the victims of these reptilians may be the ones involved in rioting, serial killers, human trafficking. That's, that's, what, these, that's what one of the um, people uh, uh, said, yes. And like I said, these are direct quotes. They're not me summing it up for anybody. So people can read these for themselves. And uh, uh, they also say that uh, the aliens um, are working in tandem with uh, power-hungry humans uh, to further their, their goal of ultimately taking over the planet. And uh, they, the person said that some of these people have given up their souls uh, for wealth, or politicians have given it up for power. So it makes you, um, <clears throat> you just realize how important it is to hold on to what we call our humanity or the spiritual dimension of ourselves. Um, I conclude with something that's a little bit um, uplifting. And uh, this particular man, um, he saw them, you know, stealing people's souls, and uh, he was put in the machine himself, and I'm going to quote him on this. He said, I recited an ancient prayer my grandfather taught me. Now, mind you, this is a Native American. Uh, When they put me in the machine, my pops taught me this prayer as a means to overcome fear. Over and over again, I recited the prayer. The machine didn't work. I think the words of my grandfather were too powerful for them. I wanted you to, te- referring to um, uh, Dr. Clark, I wanted you to tell my story because I believe the reptile men have plans for Earth. I think they want to make humans subservient to them. If you write my story, tell people that if they are taken to pray, their own prayer to prevent the reptile men from capturing their soul. Perhaps if everyone did this, we will discourage them. This is why I tell you my story. It may be the most important thing I will ever do. Hmm. Uh, so, and that's not that's not brand new. It doesn't have anything to do with the reptilians. But there was a, a man in charge of uh, the MUFON group down in Titusville, Florida, and he was a nuts and bolts guy who, you know, he was just into proving that these physical ships existed. And he began to run into more and more people who had um, abduction experiences with uh, ETs, and, and for the most part, they were, n- were not positive. And um, he had to change his whole way of thinking, and he found out that the people who were able to um, essentially protect themselves or to keep the abductions from recurring, which often is the case, uh, that they would turn to their um, spiritual source, What and, and I'm not pushing any religion, uh, whether it be you know Christianity or Judaism or uh, uh, Islam, it doesn't matter. But a true faith and calling upon that has been able to break uh, the abduction cycle for many, many people. So um, uh, there's there's got to be some some truth to this. Um, I don't know a form of spiritual protection. More of my conversation with Mary Joyce when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. It's time to try the tea everyone's talking about. 
Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I can't get enough of my pomegranate super tea. I brew two gallons at a time and let it steep in the fridge overnight, enough to last me the entire week. And every morning I have a 16 ounce glass of this amazing GMO non-caffeinated herbal tea. It keeps me regular by providing a gentle cleanse every day. It gets the guck out as Get the Tea co-founder Ronnie McMullen likes to say, I have tremendous energy and a clear and focused mind. I'm never gassy or bloated, and good health begins with a healthy gut. This pomegranate super tea is not available in any store. You need to go to getthetea.com. Do yourself a huge favor and give it a try. Go to getthetea.com and have a look around. I love the teas, but there's so much more at Get The Tea. There are products for glucose maintenance, your hair, skin, eyes, cardiovascular health, and immune support. Use the code UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. All of them. It's time to get your tea from getthetea.com. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess he better say it because of Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Mary Joyce is here discussing the reptilians. Are the gray aliens, which we hear so much about, are they, uh, are they subservient to the reptilians? Are they working with them? Um, yes, some of them are. Um, and that's, that's a whole complicated thing, too. Um, we all talk about for over and over and over and over again about Roswell, and I get sick of it. Uh, but those were small um, uh, grays. And um, Charles Hall, who you may or may not be familiar with, he was with the military and uh, worked in a remote place out in Nevada. Uh, and he spent, a, I think, a couple years in the remote area as a weather technician and he began to interact with um, a group called the Tall Whites but he also later was involved with the with some of the Greys and the Greys when they become mature have a very hard time breathing on the earth. Uh, the, it's like their internal organ which I, as I understand it is both heart and lung, and lung lungs in combination um, do not, not function well. And so, according to him, the adults, for the most part, stay on the, the moon. And the ones that are causing all the mischief are the teens and the kids who apparently can fly around in their little um, spaceships. Apparently, it's an easy flight between Earth and, and the moon. Um, the, so, some people think there's two races of uh, greys. It appears that the tall grays are simply the adults, which we simply do not see as many of because they have the breathing problem. And so the younger ones are working with the reptilians? Um, I think some of the tall ones are too. Um, the grays are a little bit hard to pinpoint. I don't think they're all the same. I don't think they're all working for reptilians, but I do know that some of them sure are. It's also been suggested that the reptilians uh, are directly beneath our feet, really. They are living in the interior of the Earth, and they've been here for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. What do you think about that? 
Um, if people are interested in the search bar on our homepage, if you type in Antarctica, a number of different stories will come up. And we've done one um, that's about the reptilians living beneath Antarctica. And people might be surprised, but one of the most active volcanic regions in the world is in the western part of Antarctica. And these these tunnels, these tubes, are uh, have been formed long ago beneath Antarctica, and the reptilians have created a, a an underground base there. And um, again, we get into the creepy aspect of you know sci-fi reality of Earth, and uh, that is they um, teamed up with the the Nazis. And there is more and more evidence that is uh, that researchers have discovered that. Um, Hitler and his cronies were able to escape and they ended up um, in Argentina and uh, they the Nazis were working and probably still are with the reptilians beneath Antarctica. Um, I want to continue to talk about abductions and um, this this story has to do with very strange odors that people smell during an abduction. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the title we used, but it was something like, you know, um, alien abductions, or stinky uh, aliens or stinky, I don't remember the title I used. Um, but um, many people have reported this smell. Um, it's not always described the same, but it's not pleasant. And I did find the research um, from some man whose name I can't remember right now, but uh, he gave a whole list of uh, different... Um, experiences and the different descriptions of the smells but they're all unpleasant oh i think that was preston dennett uh yeah probably was right i don't know why i've got you on the screen but i can't even open my own uh website so i'm at your mercy <laughs> it's okay right so um the, the smell it, people describe it as sulfur smelling like sulfur it seems to be the most common smell but uh, just imagine variations on sulfur, um, and you know I don't know for sure what the source of that is. I don't know if it uh, has to do with the beams themselves giving off an odor, or if um, there's a smell that you know comes from their um, I don't know their engines or whatever they use to um, as their energy source. That it might be a byproduct of that. I do not know. All right, and uh, again, there's a, a UFO researcher that you cite here, Antonio Rulan, who's published an extensive research paper on the subject back in 2000, and you include a chart from his paper titled "Odors from UFOs." I mean, uh, this is quite this is quite extensive. Yeah, it is, and I my screen has now come back on, and. Uh, we've got things like a, a sticky, warm smell, like uh, hot grease, um, burning sulfurs. Uh, smell of sulfur is repeated uh, a number of times. Embalming fluid, um, pungent odor that sounds like uh, smells like burnt gasoline, um, burning rubber, um, gun smoke powder. But the most uh, repeating, the one that repeats the most, is a sulfur smell. All right, I want to move over to uh, Bigfoot if we can, because uh, there have been some new Bigfoot footprints uh, earlier this month 
found in the snow on on uh, Mount Rainier. Um, yeah, and um, that's in the summertime, which is kind of neat. Um, uh, but you get up at the top of the mountains, you're going to find snow out west. And this um, this gal, she had she wasn't into uh, Bigfoot or anything, and uh, obviously uh, she was very excited when she found the information. And uh, uh, I first learned about it, I think, on oh, geez, what is it, uh, Sasquatch Watchers or some such site. And so I contacted her, and uh, um, they were just going up a remote trail uh, over July uh, weekend this year, and uh, they found this uh, giant footprint in the snow. And then you could see where the, the whatever the creature was continued to walk up through the snow, but you know that part was melting, so it, they looked more like holes. But we do have a photo of it, so you can see not only that, but you can see. Uh, the woman who I talked with um, at the, the trail where they they began their hike. And then she also said before they got to that part, there were these strange, um, uh, like stripped down trees, very large, that were arranged in typical Bigfoot fashion. Of course, she didn't know that. Um, so there were signs of the Bigfoot, uh, you know, other places too. Right, so you, you talk about these, these tree branches arranged strangely, but you say this is typical. What do you mean? What are they doing? Are they trying to communicate? Uh, um, there's there's a, probably multiple reasons why the Bigfoot do that. Um, some of them, I think, are signals to each other. Some of them that are more elaborate, they may use as uh, like temporary um, protection uh, shelter places. Um, People who have really interacted with Bigfoot, you know, where they actually are doing the telepathic communication and see them face to face, say that once you, you know, really make contact with them, they will begin to communicate in strange uh, ways. Like they might set up one of these, what they call a, a, a tent or a teepee uh, near the person. And then if the person's very observant, they might notice that, you know, twigs have been added here or you know, some stones have been added here, and it's it's a very um, different way of communicating, but it's letting the humans know that they are there and they are trying in some very different kind of way to interact. Uh, finally, Mary, we've been talking over the years about uh, secret bases in and around North Carolina. Uh, you have a new witness talking about a secret base in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, yes, we just put, oh yeah, uh, that's that's a, one of the uh, longer articles. I usually try to keep them shorter than that, but he had so much to tell and it confirmed things that I discovered when I wrote the book, uh, Underground Military Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains. And he was here vacationing um, uh, in June and he contacted me with this information on July 9th of this summer. And um, there's a place called um, Mile High Campground, which you could probably find on a map pretty easily. And it's on the North Carolina side of the Smoky Mountain National Park. And it's essentially just about on top of where all the evidence says there is a secret underground base. And he spent, um, uh, he spent a night starting at 2 a.m. in the morning uh, walking around this um, mountaintop road 
that is above this facility. And we've heard some of these things before, and I've written about some of them before. And, you know, several years later, he's finding the same thing. Uh, one of the things is um, uh, hearing and feeling uh, underground rumbling and grinding and machine noises uh, beneath the ground. And he, he noticed that at 5 a.m., all the noises stopped. So I think that whatever they're doing down there, if it involves any kind of noise, they're doing it um, in the early hours uh, of the morning or in the in the night, and then as soon as people might start, you know, getting up and around, they quit doing it. Um, similar thing when many many years ago, I did a story about a um, uh, sheriff's deputy uh, from Florida who retired up here because of health conditions, though he was not an old man. And he used to drive on in uh, his Corvette on the um, Blue Ridge Parkway. And he pulled over at an area called um, Devil's Courthouse. And that is very neat, very, very near what we know is another underground facility called, that's uh, beneath the Pisgah Astronomical Research Institute. And he had had experience before where he would put his ear up to like a rock or a beam or whatever, and he could hear things down below. And he did that with a stone uh, along the side of the road where they park at Devil's Courthouse, and he could again hear the underground rumbling and grinding and machine noises. Those again stopped at about 5 o'clock in the morning. So they are trying to minimize discovery of these sounds. Didn't he discover a, a hidden ventilation shaft? Yes, he did. Uh, he's much braver than I. He went off... Uh, and I got a picture of the road that he went on, and just imagine uh, what it would be like in the in in the nighttime. And uh, then he went off a, a branch off of an already dirt road, and he found a ventilation uh, uh, shaft. And um, you know why would that be out in the middle of nowhere? And I think he found a pump house or something like that also. Um, so yeah, there's there these mountains here in Western North Carolina have a lot of secrets beneath them. Oh, I I was I was going to make the last that the last story, but I have to ask you about this. And there's a photograph. Uh, speaking of uh, of cashiers, North Carolina, and and it's a uh, a photograph of what looks like some sort of a UFO underneath a tarp aboard a military vehicle. And this was this was taken in Cashiers, North Carolina. That's correct. And. Uh, um it's a great picture. You can't really describe it. You can imagine it being a small UFO. It has something on the back of it that's hanging off this really long um, trailer with lots of wheels. And lots of wheels indicates it weighs a lot. And it looks like a, a rocket launcher. So here we have something that looks like a small UFO, something that looks like a rocket launcher, um, and a vehicle that has one, two, three, four, five, six... Um, wheels on each side, and I think there's double wheels there. Um, so you would have maybe 12 on each side, 24 wheels maybe. And uh, it was traversing a road that's um, just an out-of-the-way road through the wood, through the forest. Uh, very suspicious, and uh, many people have wondered about it. And who sent you we the got more, we, got, we got more hits on that one than anything we've ever posted on Facebook. Really? Because uh, we do have a Facebook page, too. And, uh, it, you know, it was, everybody found that very, very interesting. And who sent you the photo? 
Um, the the gal that, uh, if anybody follows our website, there's one gal who was very involved with us at the beginning when we launched the website because she was seeing UFOs and uh, Bigfoot and all sorts of things where she lives in cashers. And she's still up there and she still will periodically um, provide us with information. One of the people that she knows is a... I can't uh, divulge exactly, but is a well-connected person with somebody in government up there. And this picture came from the person who is, let's say, in the family of this government person up in the cashier's area. So the source is um, is pretty good. So Mary, when earlier we were talking about your adventures in Detroit, did you ever imagine that what, when you moved from Detroit to cashiers, North Carolina, that that uh, you would be right in the middle of all of this unexplained activity. Uh, no, I, I no, I, I didn't. I just decided I was going to move to the mountains, um, and I did not expect any of this. Uh, I was not totally new to UFOs, however, because um, directly before living here in North Carolina, I did live on the beach in Florida. And I live between Patrick Air Force Base and the Space Center. So I got to meet, um, uh, you know, some astronauts and engineers with NASA. And they owned up to the reality of, of UFOs, um, you know, when I lived down there. Um, so I, I was aware of these kind of things before I moved to North Carolina. But I didn't expect to find it here. All right. So, again, the website is Skyships over cashiers.com and that's c-a-s-h-i-e-r-s skyships over cashiers.com and if people want to submit uh, a, a photo or some sort of an eyewitness report they just contact you through the website i guess if you get to that website uh, there's two columns on the home page at the very top on the left it says how to report a sighting and that's uh, um you know, we'll tell you how to get in touch with me. Fantastic. Mary, always a, a, an extreme pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're a great guy to talk to. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll return in just a few moments to share a few details on an upcoming episode. One tablespoon of ESS-60 from C60 Evo helps keep me pain-free, energized, and mentally focused. And I'm sleeping so much better since I started taking ESS-60 back in November. ESS-60 is the consumable form of C60, the miracle molecule discovered by Nobel Prize winning chemists in the 1990s. ESS-60 is a mega antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. Check out the Paris study, a peer-reviewed scientific study online, where ESS-60 suspended in olive oil was fed to rats. The rats fed ESS-60 lived almost twice their normal lifespan. I can't sit here and tell you I'm going to live to be 112, but I'm 56 and I haven't felt this youthful, energized, and pain-free since I was in my 20s. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. If you want to discover the benefits of this amazing miracle molecule for yourself, go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link for c60evo.com. And don't forget to use the code RS1SPEC when ordering and you'll receive an additional 
5% off. ESS60, the miracle molecule from C60 Evo. It's changed my life. Discover what it can do for you. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to cure, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, the origins of the deep state may have been revealed in a little-known congressional report from 1953. Congressman Reese was in charge of finding out whether or not the foundations, the Guggenheim, the Carnegie, the Ford, the Rockefeller, etc., were conducting un-American subversive activities. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>